0: All right, you're well, you're good. Um, so today I'm going to um, look at a, a psalm. I was in the middle of the. Uh, I did. I woke up about three o'clock in the morning this morning, and it was just like bing, just wide awake. So I just thought, well, why fight it? Right, just go up and get up and do some stuff. And uh, as I was meditating, uh, I was meditating on this psalm, which is um, Psalm 145. And we're looking at verse 13b. B is the second half of verse 13, in case you wonder what I'm talking about. So uh, verse 13b. And uh, it says, The Lord is faithful in all his words and loving in all his deeds. The Lord supports all who fall and raises all who are bowed down. And... uh, You know, often when I'm like preaching a message, I'm normally trying to like uh, encourage us or cajole us into like going further with God and, and, and to really kind of help our walk with God. But today, I just feel actually to remind us that God is also the great shepherd and that God is also our pastor. And that there is times where God, as a pastor and as a good shepherd, will want to console and, uh, and speak gently to his flock from time to time and to encourage her and bless her and to heal her wounds. And, you know, like a good sheep, it's nice to be stroked every now and then, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know, but I like to be... St- well, no, let's not go there. So, um, so <laughs> dig my own hole. Um, wow. So... <clears throat> The Lord is faithful (laughs) in all his words. And I just want to start with that. The Lord is faithful. And that's that's you see when we when we're reading about Psalms, Quite often, I mean, I I read. I read by some theologian who said, "Well, when you read the Psalms, you kind of got to switch off your theology brain because actually, what the Psalms teach isn't really theology. It's not stuff you can build your life on, and all this kind of stuff." I was like, "Well, that, that doesn't. That doesn't seem to ring true for me," but actually, the Psalms are amazing. And they're full of theology. It doesn't matter if you're an Old Testament saint or a New Testament saint. It it bridges the Testaments. It's not, you know, it's like, oh, that's Old Covenant. It doesn't seem to work with the Psalms. They seem to transcend those covenants. But one of the things that I love about the Psalms, and I've said this often, is it it really teaches us about the struggle of our human nature sometimes. Because sometimes you can read the Psalms and they're like, man, this guy's having a bad day. but, but, but the point of those kind of psalms is that we can relate on a, on a whole nother level. So, for example, most of your psalms it isn't just written about a guy having a moan. It's actually about Jesus. And when, you, when you, like, you're having a good day and you're reading the psalms, you're like, well, I just don't relate to this talk because I'm having a great day and I don't you know why this guy's so upset. But when you start to read it and understand that it's teaching you about the sufferings of Christ, And the torments and the trials that he went through, then it it begins to allow you and I to identify with the sufferings that God went through and the sufferings that Jesus went through. So when you're when you're reading and praying the Psalms, you're immediately putting on almost like someone else's coat and someone else's life and you're getting into their life and looking through their eyes and you're seeing things from their perspective. And when you read the Psalms, you realize that when Jesus was on the cross, he became sin. Because it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, he who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. We also know that in the Psalms, it talks about how he went down into hell. Well, again, it's about Jesus because obviously King David wasn't down there writing about it. And we have all these remarkable things. So as we're reading the Psalms, it, it allows us to connect with God in a wonderful way and allow us to connect with his suffering in a way that we can identify with. Because often we can't... If I say to you, you know, can you identify with God? Um, and we'd like to say, yeah, kind of, through Jesus. But it, it, in, in everyday reality, it's like well, that that's, doesn't really quite always work out. But when we read the Psalms, we can link into the very heartbeat of our Messiah from his human perspective and understand his suffering. And so when we're going through suffering and we're going through trials and tribulations, reading and praying through those Psalms is you literally linking up with Messiah and saying, he has suffered and I am suffering and we are suffering together. And, and, And in that you can see the comfort and the consolation of the words of the Psalms because they generally always start quite low, but then they generally end on a high note. And as you pray through those psalms and meditate and reflect through those psalms, you go through the process of Jesus' grief and his suffering and come out to his victory as well. Now, it says here, the Lord is faithful. God is faithful, is he not? Yes. Yes, we all know that God is faithful, or at least we know it as a theological truth. We all know the correct Sunday school answer is Jesus is always faithful. But in reality sometimes we might not think that he is always faithful and i i would suggest to you and i that part of the reason why we fail to see god's faithfulness sometimes is because let's say we've got this uh i don't know a slide rule that goes from here up to here okay so one up to 18 okay but your level if you like is like well i'm happy to go to number 10 But if god doesn't fulfill it by the time we get to number 10 well he is not faithful as far as i'm concerned even though the the scale goes up to 17 because when you read jesus in the psalms you can see that he's trusting god that god is going to deliver him out of the situation that he's in what is the situation that he's in that he's about to be crucified but god doesn't deliver him from being crucified God doesn't even deliver him him when he's on the cross. God doesn't even deliver him when he's in hell. Because Jesus' scale rule goes from 1 to 17. Because he knows he's going to die. And he knows that even in death, God is faithful. He knows that even if he goes to hell, God is faithful. He knows that he's going to be resurrected. God is faithful. But he still doesn't end it there. He knows the joy that is set before him. But even there, he still doesn't set his rule. And and, and and even in his resurrection, ascending to the right hand of the Father, he still doesn't set his ruler there either. Because his ruler is like, there will come a day when all my enemies will be underneath my feet, and I shall rule the nations with a rod of iron, as it says in Psalm 2. That's his scale, 1 to 17. So Jesus, even going through difficult trials and tribulations and pain and affliction. His ruler went up to 17, whereas maybe ours is (laughs) more down here. Because you see, the fact is, God is always faithful. You know, when I had my um, heart attack last year on my cardiac arrest, that, that was a really difficult time for me because the first time it had happened, you know, I really saw the, the miracles and the signs and wonders of God. But in the second instance, it was like, well, where was God in all of that? I, ha- I was asking these really dark questions and I was in a dark place. I was like, where is God in all of that? Why, why couldn't he have just done this? Or he, why couldn't he have done that? And because we're charismatics, it's always like, we are expecting God to do things in the realm of the supernatural. But you know what? Sometimes he doesn't want to do it in the realm of the supernatural. Sometimes he wants to do it in a way That's different from how you have prescribed you would like God to do things. And sometimes God will take you on a merry, joyous ride and a little journey. And you're like, oh, why are we going this way? I don't want to go this way. I expected us to go that way. That's easier. That's the easier way. But sometimes God wants us to take us through a difficult path. Because, and here's another thing, and this is something that's not taught on in charismatic churches, is the suffering side of Christianity. There is a mystery in suffering, But it's, it's not that God wants to make you sick or anything like that. We're not going down that road. But in the midst of your situation, you can really understand something and understand something of, of, of God in a, in a way that you can't understand if life just goes sweet and perfect all the time. And sometimes God wants to take you down a path so that you really do know that in that dark place that God is with you. That he will never fail you or forsake you and he is absolutely with you in that dark place and sometimes we need to remember that and unfortunately in the place of remembering that we, <laughs> we have to go through some valleys oh we always want to be to the top of the mountain glory be to god because that's where all the victory is but actually i've learned over the years in my christian faith that i actually um, enjoy the valleys now not all of them but some, most of them, because in the valleys is the place where character is shaped. In the valleys is the place actually where you get closer to God. In the valleys is where, thing, where, where business is done. It's all very well good when you're on the top of the mountain. It's like, hallelujah, I'm just so excited about Jesus and everything is so great and glorious, but that's not real. It's real for a time, it's your victory, but actually the real place and actually in valleys is where all the fruitfulness takes place. On the top of the mountains, you don't tend to get a lot of fruitfulness up there. You get jolly, ragged rocks and some grass and some stuff. But things generally don't grow very well at the top of the mountain. It's in the valleys where things grow. And so if you're going through some stuff, God wants to encourage you is that he is faithful. But we've got to take away that little veneer that we put on ourselves, that charismatic veneer that everything's going to be all about signs and wonders. Because sometimes God isn't going to do signs and wonders. Sometimes he's going to do it in a very natural way because he's trying to teach us something. And we've always got to be living our life in this place of, Father, what is it you're teaching me? As it says in Proverbs, it says, Son, be attentive to my word. Be attentive. Have your ear always attentive to me and to my voice. And sometimes we want to hear God say it this way. We want to do it, God to do it that way. But sometimes he just isn't going to do it that way. The Lord is faithful in all his words. The word of God of all the things on this earth. The one thing you can be sure of is the word of God. But you see, God is faithful even if if you have to die. You might think, well, I'd rather he be faithful before I die. Well, who wouldn't, right? I mean, everyone would think that. Please could be faithful before I die. But like I said, God's slide rule is up to 18. It's not up to 10 where we would like it to be, where our comfort zone ends. You know, when we hit the comfort zone and we cross that comfort zone, that's when we're like, oh, Jesus, Jesus. And the wheel starts wobbling on the car and, you know, the wheel starts coming off down the motorways. Whose wheel is that driving past my car? Looks like my wheel. You know, that's what happens when we get to like number 10 on our slide rule. But Jesus wants to remind us that he is the Lord, our God. He is our shepherd and he will never fail us or forsake us, even if you have to die. Because even in death, God is faithful, because even in death, there is joy and there is victory. The Lord is faithful in all his words and loving in all his deeds. That's a really powerful bit, loving in all his deeds. And that's one of the reasons why we have testimony at church, is because actually it really encourages people when they hear normal people having an extraordinary God doing things extraordinary in their normal lives. And it's encouraging. And they think, well, if God is loving and kind to them and can do that for them, then surely he can do that for me. And, and also, God is revealed as loving in all his deeds. And so I have to then look at my own life and think, well, let's take uh, last year when I, when I died. And it was like, I was really in a dark place. Did I really see the loving deeds of God in that time? And so then I have to stop and I have to think and I have to have a look and I have to address that question seriously. And as I look at it, I see God's tenderness. I see God's kindness. I see God's love. I see God's faithfulness and how he was there for me all of the time, even though in my darkness and my blind spiritual blindness, I couldn't see. I was like, you know, like Jesus on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why am I here? Why am I in this place, this dark, deep, dark place? It was so awful, the place that I was in. I'd never been that dark for a long, long time. But yet Jesus in the darkness was there with me, helping me out of my mess. And as I look back, I can see that God is loving in all his deeds. And so you just need to sometimes think, because we can often think, does Jesus really love me? as it has, has my God forsaken me you know we go down these paths sometimes and you just have to stop and think okay let's stop and think for a minute what good loving deeds has God done for me now initially if you're not really good at thinking you'd be like well nothing but then well, hang on a minute Did you have a hot meal today? Yeah. Have you got clothes on? Yeah, even though they've got holes in, but that's just fashion. All right, so you've got clothes on, yeah. Okay, how did you get to church, though? I've got a lift with with so-and-so. Okay, that's good. So, and you've got a roof over your head, yeah. So, I mean, immediately you can start thinking, actually, God has looked after me and put me in a place where I get a nice meal each day, or, you know, a meal, and uh, and a roof over my head, whatever, and, and I'm in a good place. Because sometimes we forget those simple things. Sometimes we forget that God's providence is over us. Because I'll tell you something now, you might think, oh, I've got a job. Praise God, I got a job. Or you might forget and not think, well, I've got a job. What what does God care? Let me tell you, God will make you lose your job in a heartbeat if he wants to. I remember a couple of years ago, well, not a couple of years ago, it was a long time ago. uh, I I used to be in IT and then I got into IT sales and I was doing really well at it. And uh, one day I felt God say to me, right, I want you to go full-time into music for for a season of your life. And I was like, oh, great but I want you to quit your job. like, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not gonna quit my job. And, he, and I, I did, a, we did a gig at Greenbelt um, and it was, it was awful. I mean, it was like, you think my music's bad now, right? So I mean, back then it was awful, right? So, so I did this gig and stuff and as I was coming back, God said to me, I want you to now be a musician full time. And I want you to leave your job. And I'm like, I'm not gonna leave my job. And he's like, well, if you don't leave, I'll make it so that you will leave. And I was like, yeah, well, you can try. Ooh. okay you can try so anyway, i got back to work and everything's great and god orchestrated this really awesome plot to get me the sack all right had these had these had these people come up i phoned me up there from london they said we want 15 and pounds worth of computer gear i was like yes so i got ibm and i got them to check the credit check these guys everything checked out great these guys were legit all right so it all went through a couple of weeks later, you know, get your commission check, yee all that kind of stuff. And then, then the big managing director comes down and said, uh, who was it that dealt with this particular client? I was like, hey, it's me. He said, right, you do realise we've just had to call Fraud Squad in because they've nicked all of that equipment and gone. Gone with it. Um, and so I was taken into the office to, with the other manager and I said, well, you know, um, I, I said, I'd, I'd done everything right. You know, I'd done all the credit checks, everything had gone through right. And, uh, and I said, look, kind of jokingly, you know, putting it out there in case you go, oh, no, there's no need for that, Chris. Don't be extreme. And I said, well, you know, if you want me to, to, to resign over this, I'm happy to. And they went, yeah, OK, could you do that today? <laughs> I was like, what? And literally by lunchtime, I was out, out of a job. God had orchestrated it for me to be caught into the middle of a crime ring. And, uh, and so it all comes back to me. I mean, that's just not funny. Um, and then... Literally, then that, we went away on holiday for a week and that week I was like, what am I going to do? And then I had to work with a, for Tango for a couple of weeks, like just delivering soft drinks. And I was like, great, thanks, God. Um, but unbeknown to me, my wife had put out my CV to some private schools and then I got asked in for an interview. And man, I didn't know anything What I was, I didn't know anything, but I don't know how I got in. But then I got my first job as a peripatetic teacher teaching guitar at private schools. And then I went off to music college and got my diploma and all that kind of stuff. And it all just went from there. So you don't want to test God. So be thankful if you've got a job, all right? Don't think oh, it doesn't matter, even if you're flipping, flipping burgers. If you've got a job, be thankful for it, be grateful for it, because I tell you, don't push your luck, because God will orchestrate the most incredible uh, ring of, of events to get you the sack sometimes in a way that's like, just unbelievable. I mean, I was caught literally in the middle of a crime ring. Goodness me, praise God. I think he thinks it's funny, but no one think it's funny. The Lord is faithful in all his words and loving in all his deeds. And you see, it even orchestrating me getting the sack was a really loving deed because it enabled me to do something for 15 years, for the next 15 years of my life, I absolutely loved. I love doing music. I did all sorts of stuff. Went to all, all over the world. Met all kinds of people. Worked with all sorts of people. Did all sorts of stuff. And then it was a, it was a really joyous time. God knew that was the heart, my heart's desire. And at the end of that 15 years, He was like, okay, you've had your fun now. Now I want you to come and work for me. And so then I'm, I'm here now. And if it's, if it's of any note to you, I enjoy this job as well. So, <laughs> mostly. So, the Lord supports all who fall, and raises all who are bowed down. And this is what I feel the Holy Spirit wants to convey to us today, is that, you know, sometimes if we have an incorrect view of God the Father, we can think him of this great, mighty, smiting God that you've broken his commandments and therefore, you know, out the door sort of thing. But actually, when when you're in a covenant relationship with God and we make mistakes and we fall and, and we do things that we shouldn't have done from time to time, God is always there. You know, the parable of the prodigal son, the father is always waiting for the son to come back. Please come back. Please come back. Please come back. Every day he was stood there waiting for his son to come back. And the psalmist here is saying that the Lord supports all who fall and raises all who are bowed down. You may be bowed down by grief right now. You may be bowed down by pressures that are beyond your control. You may be bowed down by debt. All manner of things may be encroaching or just depression or just things that are just bordering in onto your life right now. But you need to know this is the Lord supports all those who fall. And you know how the Lord supports people who fall through you and me. We are his body and and act, simple acts of kindness and generosity and helping one another goes a long way for a lot of people. A lot of people get saved when they see the love of God displayed. You know, it's good when you see signs and wonders because that gets people saved. But actually, what for me personally, I've seen, the biggest things I've seen that pe- changes people's lives is a simple act of love. And I know I've said this before, but it just illustrates the point. It, I was in Portsmouth and the, I was in Asters, and there was this handicapped lady in front of me on one of those kind of like mobility scooters and uh, she couldn't pay for a shopping for some, for some reason. So I just said, okay, I'll do it. So I just paid for it, didn't really think anything of it. But the checkout woman just started crying. She said, in 15 years I've worked, I've never seen anything like that. I was like, 15 years, she's never seen a simple act of kindness like that. And it just broke her, she just poured out crying. And it, it's those simple acts of loving kindness, especially to one another, because Jesus says, by the love you have for one another, the world shall know you, ha- you are my disciples. Now, I, I love signs and wonders, but it doesn't say by the signs and wonders among you, the world will know. Not that there's anything wrong with signs and wonders because we need them. But nevertheless, actually, love goes a long way. There's a lot of mileage in the power of love. The Lord supports all who fall and raises all who are bowed down. And if you're feeling in those places where you are bowed down and you're feeling in the place of sickness or tiredness or grief or loneliness even... You need to know that he is there for you and God is not displeased with you and, and, and God is not out to get you. I mean, he would have got you a long time ago if he was out to get you. He is not out to get you and he's calling you and he's always wooing you. He's a good father. He's a loving father. This is the father heart towards you. This is is the nature of God you get as a covenant believer. Even if you've backslid as a covenant believer, this is God's heart towards you. And even if you're an unbeliever, it was while we're still sinners that Christ died on a cross for us to save us. It's the love of God. Why did Jesus come? For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's a good God, isn't it not? That's a wonderful God. It's a righteous God. The Lord supports all who fall and raises all who are bowed down. So what I want to do now, as I think I've conveyed the point, is we're going to take some time to pray for one another now. And don't feel uncomfortable about this. And so, I just want us, wherever you're sat in your chair, just to turn around to each other. And I just want you to pray for one another just for the next 10 minutes. Because, actually, if we're honest with ourselves, there's all bits in our life where (sighs) disappointment that's a biggie, I think, in Christianity, disappointment, heartbreak. Why didn't God come through for me then? Why didn't this happen? Why didn't that happen? You know, let's not gloss over these, these questions because these are the very questions that are causing you problems, that are causing you, stopping you from flying and soaring high. It's the things that have clipped your wings, those disappointments, those things where, you know, uh, forgive me for the, for the analogy, but when I was a kid, I wrote to Father Christmas so I could have a Doctor Who box for Christmas, right? A little TARDIS. Boy, I never got one. Okay. Oh, And that kind of just like clipped my wings about Father Christmas for like the rest of my life. I'm not bitter about it, but um, bless my wife. She actually, on one of my, uh, on our anniversary presents, she bought me my own little TARDIS, which is at home. It's got lights and stuff, and I'm playing with it every now and then, it's really great. Anyway, (laughs) yeah, but I don't drive trains around, you know, it's like, but but anyway, and so that, that, that disappointment, as simple as that can really affect you. And God doesn't want you to be walking around with disappointment. He wants you to walk around and be a joyous people. Yes, there are times where we're going to go through difficult times. Yes, there are times where it's, we do suffer in our lives. And we do suffer through our walk of faith with God as well. But I want you to take some time. I want us to pray for each other now. But I want to finish with this. That when you are feeling low and alone alone. And in a place of grief, I want you to open the Psalms and I want you to pray through those Psalms and see that Jesus went through an agonizing aloneness as well. Jesus went through times of great oppression in his life. Jesus went through times where everybody was against him. Jesus had times in his life where everybody betrayed him. And even to the point where it's like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I mean, if Jesus says that then that gives us some hope and some encouragement that maybe we've said that from time to time and maybe God is there for us as well. Lord, I pray, Lord, as we we pray for each other now, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you will encourage us and bless us and help us in our difficulties and help us in our disappointments, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that you are the good shepherd and you tend your flock and you look after your flock. And we thank you for your goodness and your kindness and your love towards us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.